Welcome to Career and Ruins, where we don't have Sue Gray, but we do have a well-stratified deposit of 4 slash 5p. Oh, <laughs> Too early for a monster chart joke. <laughs> monster charts and politics. No one ever thought it could work. I know. You proved I know. them wrong, Derek Pittman. <laughs> finally, finally, the <laughs> the unification of terrible humour and monster charts and politics. <laughs> Hello, mate. How are Hello. you? I'm very good. I'm genuinely quite excited about tonight's podcast. Not that I'm not yeah. genuinely excited normally. That sounded yeah, really bad. For everyone that's come before, thanks. <laughs> yeah, but Derek's never not really given a monkey. Dismissed three seasons worth of guests, four seasons worth of guests. No, <laughs> genuinely, it's going to be a, a very good one tonight. We've got a fantastic guest coming up. I, I, I feel like I'm back in the swing of podcasting now. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to hear that swing back in your voice. I think last week you were kind of taken aback by some good news that has come in so you you felt a bit distant but this week you're going to be leading us from the front it's fair to say it's taken me at least three episodes to remember how to do this and remember how to speak out loud (laughs) so i feel like i'm getting there now so so strap in ladies and gentlemen you're in for a ride oh i'm excited Derek. (laughs) maximum Derek, as um, a well-known gif might work (laughs) how's your week been yeah, really, really good. So um, work-wise, we're, we're, we're gearing up for a new semester, which is nice. We've done some marking, which has been really enjoyable. Watched some amazing first-year videos today. Um, and I won't go into any details, but there was one that was spectacular. Oh, yeah. And uh, um, it was formative. So we don't give marks, but if I could have given it a mark, it would have been near the top. It was excellent. Um, so shout, shout out to you guys if you're listening. Very, very well done on that. Um, but also, I saw... After three weeks of almost archaeology saturation in the news to the point where I couldn't think of anything interesting to say, I've finally seen an interesting news story in archaeology, which oh, I'm yeah. quite excited about. What, not uh, not the potential of um, radar-based satellites that can map the uh, the Earth's surface through clouds? That sounds awful, mate. Uh, <laughs> no, this one, this one popped up. It was on. I've, I've, I've managed to successfully set my... Uh, my generic bedside Amazon-based products to wake me up with various things. And uh, it uh, it wakes me up with the news now, and it woke me up with this news of climate change destroying archaeology. Wow, my. Is there anything that thing doesn't get its teeth into? I know. Breaking <laughs> news. Breaking news. And I know, I know we've covered climate change and archaeology in past podcasts, so I don't, that's not really what I, what I want to go into detail on, but it was just really interesting. That, that was one of the ones you weren't excited about in the past. Quite you, quite you. Loved it. It's one of my favourites. <laughs> I shared it with someone the other day. Anyway, shut up. Um, <laughs> but it's a genuinely interesting story. Um, it's focused on Hadrian's Wall and the loss of peat bogs as, as the climate gets warmer. And the fact that these these environments preserve so much good archaeology, far more than the usual kind of inorganic stuff we traditionally find. You get things like leather, wood, all of these, the kind of the, the soft um, organic bits of the past that we don't see elsewhere. And what I found most interesting about it, and I, this is all relative admittedly, but I, I loved the the idea of archaeologists actively monitoring these environments. So not only do we know there's a problem, but 
incredible teams of scientists are monitoring the the loss of peak deposits with a mind that if it gets too far they can put some mitigations in place and actually divert archaeological work where it's really needed rather than just say oh i'm gonna go dig a lovely new fort it's we're gonna lose this really important heritage so let's go and save it and rescue it so a really nice piece of ongoing archaeological monitoring and mitigation which i, was, I just it was nice to see that story making the news after admittedly some really great archaeological headlines statues and discoveries and hs2 and blah 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 brilliant don't get me wrong but to see this kind of ongoing interesting genuinely interesting scientific mitigation in the news was quite i find it quite interesting uh, is that why i kept seeing a roman toilet seat on the? that, that is exactly yeah. so when people it. call climate change toilet it really is yeah. yeah, yeah, it's taking away our Roman toilet seats, and I, for one, <laughs> will not stand for it. But if it if it happens too quickly, I won't be able to sit for it either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they'd need an extended edition of um, Digging for Britain if, if they had to excavate all the uh, peat-located archaeology, surely. So it's in our greater interest to look after that climate and the peat exactly. bogs so we don't have to waste loads yeah. of money. Not waste loads of money, but spend lots of money on <laughs> yes, archaeology. <laughs> Exactly. So saving the environment would be a good place to start, but also keeping a close eye on it is a really interesting combination of, of climate science and archaeology, which is nice. That's great. Um, so who have we got for our interview this week, mate? Well, without further ado, I will introduce our guest because our Sangai guy will tell us off if we go too long, but also because he's so interesting, we need lots and lots of time to talk to him. So today we are joined by the fantastic Neil Max Emmanuel, or Nini Creative, if you want to find his website, who is a motion graphic designer, animator, editor, storyboard artist, cartoonist, voiceover artist, children's book illustrator, amongst many, many other things. And his credits include the National Geographic, Channel 4, many, many, many episodes of Time Team. And I know a lot of our fans watch Time Team, so you'll have seen Neil's work in action, but also most recently the fantastic Middle Ages graphic history, which is written by Eleanor Janega and illustrated by Neil Max Emanuel. And it is a fantastic read. I've read some of it with my children. Admittedly, I had to skip a few pages, but it's a fantastic illustrated history of the Middle Ages. And I learned an awful lot from oh, it. Cool. Neil, welcome. Hey, thanks guys. <laughs> it's amazing to be here. It's nice. To... Do you know what? I've missed both of you big time. Aww. I know we've, we've only really just met but like you know because we did shoots last year it was like meeting up with lots of old faces but you guys you really were so lovely to work with and, and thank you very much for having me oh it was an absolute pleasure to have you this evening but also it was an absolute pleasure to meet you and to hang out with you back in september last year and sort of that thing when when you're new guys and you turn up and you don't really know anyone there's some big names that you recognize from the telly box and then you've got this lovely friendly nerdy legend <laughs> like us that is happy to take us under their wing and talk star trek with us you were a really really welcome addition to our our experience last year so thank you for, for that must have been one of the absolute highlights of 2021 we we made a lot of new friends in those couple of weekends but uh yeah getting to know you neil was fantastic oh. and we're so happy to be able to welcome you to the podcast thank and, you and chat. thank you yes. so so getting into it then getting to question one you have had I'm, I'm on your portfolio now and looking at this you've had an incredible career um which has straddled um media and archaeology for for many years how can you talk us through your career and how you ended up where you are now yeah, it's it's very happenstance. Uh, a lot of it hasn't been planned at all. When I was a kid, I liked to draw, and uh, that was my favourite thing 
probably to do above anything. So other kids kind of were really into computer games. For me, it was drawing. I really loved it. And I knew, always knew I'd want to do something art-based. Some kids, again, like knew they wanted to be things. Other kids weren't too sure what the hell they were going to do. And I sort of, I'm somewhere in between. I know it's got to be something art-based, but I don't know what art-based. So uh, I ended up like doing A-level art and extra arts and, you know, just wanted to be life drawing, all this kind of good stuff. Um, I loved comics. I was like copying comics and drawing comics and reading comics and all sorts of things like that. So it's like immersed in this kind of vis very visual kind of way of understanding the world or telling stories or, you know, just spending the time doing that kind of thing. And uh, and it was kind of when I sort of started to get to university, it's like, oh, okay, well, I decided to do graphic design because I figured um, well, I could have done illustration or graphic design. And uh, I kind of went with graphic design because I, I, I just didn't know how to get jobs as an illustrator. It would be like illustrators, when they finish university, they go out and they have to get work as freelancers because there's not really a company they go to to be an illustrator. Not There are probably some niche areas where that might happen. Like you could be a, a historical illustrator, I guess, you know, maybe for a, I think that was a thing, wasn't it? Like um, one of the, my predecessors on Time Team, he was uh, an archaeological illustrator. Uh, he only worked on the show for a, a very short amount of time. Mm. So he was my direct predecessor. So there are, I guess, jobs like that. But generally speaking, no, you, you got to freelance straight out of uh, a university. So I figured, well, graph design, maybe that's a thing for me. So I, I, I did graph design. and um, uh, But I figured that, I, I, do you know what? I couldn't do print. I just didn't want to be a print graph designer making calendars or you know uh it, back then in the 90s uh the the internet was just beginning to take off so you weren't really it wasn't quite web design it was more like cd-rom design do you guys remember cd-roms <laughs> yeah. yeah some people won't even know what the heck they are you know like you know have the whole in encyclopedia Wikipedia Britannica or something. Yeah. Encarta, is that right? Yeah, en yeah. Encarta, Encarta yeah, that's yeah. the one I was trying yeah. to think of. So that would need a nice interface designed when you put it in the computer and it pings up. So that's, I guess that slight, slightly predates Wikipedia just a little bit, you know. So that was a big thing at university, like, you know, uh, making CD-ROM designs or uh, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I figured, like, I quite like animation. I quite like moving image. And I... Um, upon leaving university, I was like, well, I mean, I'll just try getting jobs in, in that area in animation in uh, post-production. And, and I start, I got a job as a runner, um, at a post-production company called 422. You know, that's a lot of fetching, carrying, uh, not really doing any graphics or anything, but just, I guess, being within an industry, uh, the post-production industry. And it's really hard because you don't get paid anything. I was like living at home with my folks, earning hardly anything. And, uh, and not really learning that much, to be honest. <laughs> it was more like seeing the flow of things, you know, how post-production works. Because post-production, um, you know, has uh, editors really that kind of do a lot of hard work. They do um, something called offline which editing, which is where they get the, the story structure together. Um, and then once they get the story structure together, they will pass the, the job on to the final editor who does something called the grade, which is where they get their, all the pictures looking lovely and uh, they might drop in visual effects and uh, they'll 
perhaps there's also a sound editor. So everything comes together in this process uh, called the grade or it's the final step of post-production. So, you know, I was kind of around that, but uh, I eventually got jobs with uh, like, again, just working for free really uh, with motion graphics companies. And then I guess you could say my first proper job was with Sue Francis and Steve Breeze. It just so happened that they did the graphics for Time Team in the late 90s, early noughties. But when I joined them, they literally just finished doing the Time Team graphics <laughs> because they were they were uh, like contracted. And then what happened was the um, the graphics became in house because they they I think they were so just you missed to... out on that that first run of yeah I mean I knew about Time Team through those guys I I knew the show of course because like I I watched it growing up or I saw shows I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of the show I mean it wasn't something that I always like tried to see or anything but you know if it was on or you know I catch it and I could recognize some of the characters in it and stuff and and so it was uh, it was you know kind of interesting and then uh, working with Stephen Sue yeah I sort started to learn more about motion graphics there so that was like my first job it's just funny how these things kind of like happen and then after about two years I um, I left and uh, I was looking for some other work as well it just so happened someone I used to go to university with worked for the post-production company that produced Time Team it's full world <laughs> yeah it's one of those weird coincidental things because Philip Clark, one of the executive producers on Time Team, you know, he was one of the main men. Anyway, so he he actually went to diverse post-production company and he said, oh, we need a 2D graphics person. Do you know anyone? And so somehow my CV got passed on to Philip and then just out of the blue, not looking for it, I got a phone call from Time Team saying, oh, would you like to come in for an interview? I met Philip and uh, I got the job and started working on the show. So ha basically having worked with Stephen Sue, I guess, was a bit of a primer because we were doing kind of Time Team style graphics for other shows. And again, working with Steve, because Steve was doing 3D, uh, it was kind of very similar to working with Raysan in, in many ways, just because of the nature of 3D, you know, like you have a 2D person and you have a 3D person. So, yeah, got the job at Time Team. How long were you doing that for? 2001 to probably something like 2010 just beginning of 2011 something like that blimey so how many episodes do you think you um produce or how many graphics in the warm-up to this we chatted about number of graphics per episode that you used to produce well where's my calculator i could calculate this <laughs> yeah. should i get it out yeah, yeah it'd be interesting to know how many episodes <laughs> you did i think you said around 40 graphics per episode yeah 40 graphics uh times 13 13 shows on average of course not including the specials <laughs> okay so it's 520 and then uh times that by 10 mm -hmm. 10 years of that so i've done about over 5200 graphics <laughs> you must be able to see them in your sleep <laughs> oh, yeah oh i did a lot of maps i did a lot of maps <laughs> this is what i was about to ask so what when you talk about graphics for for people that are listening it might be interesting in getting to graphics or art design and seeing how they can fit it into our discipline what sort of graphics were you doing were you was it you, you mentioned maps but what other things were you, were you producing I was taking Victor's drawings cutting them out and kind of giving them some 3d depth by placing the layers the different like foreground elements midground elements and background elements in 3d space and then having a camera move in and out so I mean that's something that we're going to 
revisit with these graphics. It's uh, it's my next job next week. I'm gonna cut, the, <laughs> cut out those pictures and um, and do that. And uh, I guess like explainer graphics, some people might call them uh, infographics by today's standards. Except back then, infographics wasn't a thing. A lot a lot of the technology has changed. But even within the world of graphic design and and motion graphics, you can do so much more now than you could back then. Character design was really hard to do which now it's it's much more uh, easier to do on the software that I use. So there's all these like uh, changes and in innovations in, in graphics. Now we're at a cusp where AI is coming in and you can do something called rotoscoping, which is cutting people out uh, at, almost like with a click of a button, which is kind of like the ideal wish list. Uh, some, there's a, like a graphic design joke that, you know, people say, you know, can you do the... Uh, can you do the make the graphics happen button sort of thing? You just press the button and the graphics, you know, they're they're there and they're all rendered out. And But of course it takes time. It's a very time consuming um, thing. <laughs> but yeah, so I do, but I would do plans, maps. Uh, sometimes I do 2D reconstructions. Uh, so it'd be like, uh, almost like painting, painting with pictures and combining different elements together to kind of build up a, um, a picture. So a lot of Photoshop stuff. Um, a little bit more in the early days, I'd be supporting Raysan with maybe like fine textures, take pictures for him so he could kind of have references and things like that. But I think uh, there came a point where he, I just didn't need to do that for him because he was so self-sufficient with that kind of stuff anyway. They're basically, for the for the TV show, they're three chunks in, from my point of view. Yeah, there's pre-production, the director's working out their script yeah, and uh, the, you know, all the logistics are kind of happening, and they're organising hotels, and you know uh, where they're going to put the um, you know the crane and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and then you know, from my point of view, what I'm doing is I'm making uh, like props or graphics that are going to be used for maybe the opening scene, or there's some special thing going to happen later in the shoot, but it needs a bit of prior preparation. So, you know, I, I once made a diorama out of polystyrene and tried to recreate the landscape, things like that. So I, I could do stuff like that. Or I go down to an archive uh, with the researcher or assistant producer, and we take pictures of like a big map. And I, so I get up on a big table at the archive <laughs> i'd say can i can i stand on a chair because i'd need to get above <laughs> and and then back then uh you know i had to do this I had to take little kind of tile pictures because that's the only way that i could get the map at high resolution because i had to go back stitch them all together to make the bigger map uh, and that was like a thing that i used to do a lot of and those maps are really important uh because i would do on site things like production graphics yeah where they say, oh, you know, uh, we've got these different maps. Stuart's drawn his own map and Henry's got the OS maps uh, and Stuart's got his OS maps on GIS. Can you overlay them and then put the GFIS on top and then put the old archive map on top? And uh, I'd have to rectify the images or I'd say to Henry, Henry, could you take this map? Could you properly rectify it get it you know uh un unwarp it so it actually conforms to the real world uh and so then it's a case of like layering up all those different bits of information so that we could maybe construct a graphic from it or print it out so it could be used in a scene so all of this kind of stuff very functional kind of comparing sometimes it would be like I'd make a prop on site because they had an idea like for a scene where maybe they're going to burn Raksha in a very kind of Anglo-Saxony kind of way. And um, 
you know, they want to quote Beowulf or something. So I'd <laughs> make a document that looked like it was made back then sort of thing. And uh, Sam Newton would be reading it out. It's, it sounds like a, an incredible kind of a, a, almost eclectic mix of jobs you find yourself in throughout the sheet. Yes. I'm really intrigued because one of the questions we've asked a lot of your time team colleagues, particularly when we've been out and about filming interviews with them, yeah. is um, how things in archaeology have changed over the, the kind of the ten year gap. And I mean, you mm. mentioned before we started talking again that the the new episodes, the ones we've just filmed, require a lot more graphics. And yeah. I'm just wondering what what's changed in that time that is is kind of requiring you to to do much more work. Yeah, that's quite a fresh question because I'm I'm still sort of thinking about that. Um, just so everyone knows, at the moment I'm creating the graphics for the show that we shot last year. So I'm in post. So that's the third part that I was just sort of mentioning. And that's really where I do most of my work. It's the most mm. time consuming part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, working on productions like three days. Uh, yeah, there are, I've noticed with this one, I mean, it, it could be just stylistically, uh, graphics have become ever more present within shows people's expectations are definitely more visual i mean i teach people and social media has changed the way how much content is animated and moving so uh, before graphic designers were very 2d based they made still images but now they're having to learn animation because that's what their company wants them to do or their bosses want them to do they kind of want two people for one to be honest they they don't want to pay a specialist animator they want to train their designers up because everything is becoming a bit more i guess maybe democratized um the software is more mm. accessible you can do more with the software now there's uh yeah so many options that in order to explain the stories you know it just feels like oh we need this kind of graphic here but also maybe it's like a retrospective thing that perhaps we could explain things better you know than we did before because processing power is faster we can break things down a little bit more so let's do mm -hmm. it you know mm. i've noticed we're we're trying slightly different things that we did last time it's like i'm going to be doing maps again but i don't want to be doing the same maps that i did or locator maps that i did uh, 10 mm. years ago because I did yeah, that 10 yeah. years ago I want to do some make it look slightly new but still make sense and feel like it's part of the show mm. of, of the past but in a fresh way you know and I used to occasionally at certain junctures I would do that I'd redesign the map because I'd done it like the same I you know my first maps in 2001 looked totally different from my last maps in 2010 10. That's got to be one of the hardest things, I think, from your line of work of keeping it linked to the old series, mm. but making it fresh and new. And I think that that's that's going to be really interesting to see how you produce that going forward to the, the next two episodes. Yeah. You mentioned that when you got your your first job um, prior to Time Team, so you just missed out on that, those first episodes. Yeah. You mentioned that you hadn't really looked at Time Team before. You, you weren't going out your way to watch it. And you, you picked up a bit of work with those employers that around sim producing similar graphics. Yeah. Um, and then you had a 10 year stint doing yes. all that, that vast portfolio of work for Time Team in terms of deliverables and, and outputs and, and amazing support mm, yeah. for making the series so so good and so accessible for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, roll on another, what you said 2011 you finished, yeah. so roll on another 10 years. And, um, and you've just produced this fantastic book, uh, The Middle Ages, A Graphic History. Yeah. That, that says to me, someone that's really been hooked by the history and the archaeology and as, as a dis discipline and uh, yeah i wondered 
Was there a sea change in your interest? You obviously didn't set out to be a graphics artist. You did a graphics design course. You you didn't do your specific illustration for archaeology mm. and history. So, when did you see mm. that that flip towards? It's 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 complicated. Love for um, this subject, and I hope I haven't just put words in your mouth. Maybe you don't have love for this. Subject. <laughs> oh no, I do. I I think that I I wouldn't say love. Uh, I I think it is lovely. I I do love it. Um, I love history. I, I but I think it's been more like a huge profound respect for working with folk like yourself uh for all the experts for all the uh, production team um everyone that i work with uh works hard and is you know uh focused on doing something so worthwhile making information accessible and understandable i think that's really one of the best things you can do in life teaching is is a form of teaching it's a form of communication that is and telling people about the past is 100% important personally speaking a lot of my family were, were holocaust survivors and that alone for me i always felt that stories should not be forgotten and that there are people out there that are making up stories that uh, that these things didn't happen and it's really important to know where we came from and to have a, a fair and balanced view of the past, uh, whether that's the Holocaust or whether it's, you know, what were people like in the medieval period? What I don't think we should be doing is watching movies and thinking that the world is like Disney. That's entertainment. That's not going to help us understand the past. Uh, and that's going to have messages for the future it's the old cliche but it it really really is true so to be honest it's been a it's been a privilege i didn't go looking for history history seems to find me sounds like a rap song <laughs> <laughs> if ever you do anything yeah it's like you guys yeah you kind of um you get known for something or and you work with people and then they say, do you want to do this? And it's kind of related and it just kind of like leads you down a path. And I, I think that's what happened when I left Time Team. Uh, I still knew a lot of uh, directors and and people and and or I did work that was kind of like medieval illustration, for example. And then that's, again, how I got this job mm. with the book, because they wanted someone who could draw in a medieval style. Uh, it's just a bonus that I I mean, I was like man, this is kind of like a comic. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. It's so cool. The sentiment there, Neil, with what you just said in terms of um, the bringing the story and the narrative to life is so neat. And I know Derek wants to come in with a question, but I'm just going <laughs> to carry on with this, this thought before I forget it. But I think this is why I was so excited to have you when you agreed to come onto the podcast. Because I, I do feel graphics, whether it is this this quite extreme end that we're coming at from, from your point of view, but or whether it's creating notice boards or or books or mm. um any any other sort of visual media that comes out to engage the public and mm. and make it accessible is a dynamic that's just not normally looked at within our discipline mm. and it's rare i suspect to find a professional historian archaeologist um, whatever it may be um historic environment expert that can deliver something to a standard and a quality that is accessible and appreciated by the general public and this is where we need people like yourselves that that can come and straddle our discipline and may not have love for it but definitely have respect and, and yeah. see the warrant and the the mm. importance of of sharing and facilitating and and providing that accessibility to our our subject our discipline that that i, I certainly 
certainly couldn't do. <laughs> I think you've, you've stepped on my point beautifully there, sure, because uh, I, was scrib- I, I was scribbling down notes and I, I, one of my notes I scribbled down is so important. And I think the thing that Neil mentioned there um, when talking about telling stories of the past and telling fair and balanced stories of the past, we're competing with Hollywood. We're competing with a flurry of media, mm. which does have amazing graphics it does have visuals it has all of this stuff and the only way we can tell our stories is to to deliver it in a similarly accessible way as lawrence was saying mm. and to be to a point the same applies to teaching the, the, your answer to the question about the change in technology you could say the same with lecturing 10 years ago it was all slides in a slide spinner and that's all anyone expected but now it's visual graphics it's videos embedded yeah. it's it's interactive powerpoint displays and questions and things and being able to compete with the, the world of fake news using the kind of skill sets and the kind of tools that you bring to it is absolutely pivotal to the survival of our discipline. And I'm going to stop ranting there because that was more of a comment than a question and ask you, <laughs> and ask you um, throughout your career, you've obviously done some incredible things, but is there one thing that you could pick out and say, that's the thing I'm most proud of in all this I mean that's a that's a million dollar question there. I mean because different reasons for different things, I guess. Um, I, mm. I could say that the book that I did is a was like one of the best things that I've ever done because I spent so freaking long on it, <laughs> like three years of of a three year journey, um, and you know it's it's 172 pages of uh, of me illustrating. And I also have to give a shout out to uh, Eleanor Yaniger, who's the author of the book. Um, who uh, was amazing to work with. And and so, again, we were talking about this the other day, that which touches on your point uh, about, uh, you know, uh, historical communication, you could call it. I mean, people sometimes call it science communication. It's a big thing, yeah, isn't yeah. it? You know, and you see like, you know, PBS has a like a channel on, on YouTube where they, you know, and there's 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 tons of different ones. And you've got like superstars like Neil deGrasse Tyson and uh, you name it. And, you know, you're a physicist, you're you're a freaking superstar, aren't you? Um, but there's no reason why history can't be the same. And I think I think maybe history is following suit. And in addition, I don't know if this is going off point, but in addition, so for you guys, you say you guys, you don't do graphics, but you guys, I've seen you, you've been making graphics. A lot of the stuff you do is visual and you are communicators, science communicators, uh, history history communicators rather. Like science communicators, you're the, you're the equivalent of those guys. Um, you're making it accessible and understandable. So, you know, you're, you're doing it, but maybe it's just for history. History is just like one step behind where people are with physics or <laughs> astro. Do you see what I'm Definitely, saying? Yeah, no, to, to be honest, that gives us a bar to aim for, I think. We need to, we need to <laughs> be the, the Brian Coxes of archaeology exactly. um, rather than the Anton Deck of archaeology. <laughs> I never thought of you guys as the Anton Deck of... <laughs> oh, uh, the, the Paul and Barry then. Paul and Barry chuckle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's more like it. No, no. <laughs> They're, they're lovely and and deck you know that's like a that's like a huge that's a huge compliment if you ask me like two buddies hanging out you know but they're like entertainment you guys are not only entertainment you know you are actually you've got a good mission there's a there there there's a substance that underpins what you guys are doing you know it's really important you've uh, you've dramatically turned this conversation around on us so i'm gonna i'm gonna steer <laughs> yeah. away um, quickly <laughs> <laughs> Can, can, I, can, I, can I just say, <laughs> can I just say like, so, so my, my, uh, I, I can tell you one of my time team highlights. Oh, do please do. Okay. So, so, uh, something I'm, I'm, I am proud of is I drew a map in this a sand, Ooh. uh, but we used Henry's satellite system 
to GPS. GPS. Yeah, we mm-hmm. GPSed it. So I gave him uh, like a, just an outline of uh, Europe and he was able to plot it. And then I followed him and Emma, who's one of the GFIs, and uh, we kind of worked out where, you know, the lines were. And I drew it with a broom handle, I think. Uh, drew, it, drew it in the sand and then we kind of roughed up the sand for the sea or uh, and kept the sand smooth for the land and then we put seaweed oh, wow. for placeholders and we did that and it was a really massive map and they filmed it from the cliff with you know zoom lenses and stuff mm-hmm. uh, and it was uh, yeah it was like super fun and uh, it felt creative like a bit of like art direction and it was different it was not it's not the graphic it was like a piece of art in the sand that was ephemeral that's incredible I, I... First thing I'm going to do after this pod is go and find that episode now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, gosh, what is it called? This particular episode is called Constantinople to Cornwall and is available on Time Team Classics. Coming here today, uh, speaking to you guys, I'm like, I don't, I'm not really an expert in history or anything. And I don't really have much to offer in that regard. Uh, so it's nice that... <laughs> You're asking me about graphics because that's my wheelhouse, isn't it? <laughs> but you're an expert in graphics in history. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm an expert. <laughs> Going to the book briefly, this must have been so much fun to approach. And as you say, it is a comic book style in terms of yeah. the graphics that support the text. And it's mm. a fun and easy read from that point of view because it's not your standard sort of thing, but it is informative. But just to give listeners an idea of the sorts of things that, that must have been mm. so fun to sort of come up with because each of these sections have graphics that you've produced specifically for them so you've got your standard time periods maybe the vikings the romans Mm. you've got the rise of nobility you might have something about the hundred year war all of those um have have some interesting graphics and and standardized approaches but then there are other things like a apocalyptic anxiety or sex work that 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 you also produce this fantastic graphics which they will have really important significant parts and discussions and and narratives within this book but at the same time you've had a bit of fun with them you've made it accessible you've you've kept it cheeky but true to the time in terms of design and form as well so it must have been so much fun yes oh yeah <laughs> don't, don't just show me a, an interesting page yeah there are a few non-child friendly pages that Derek's <laughs> just held up to this uh, you've got to be careful of when you show it to your kids Derek it's a very good education for a young mind I will say <laughs> uh, so with, with all of this yeah. in mind Neil then you shared some bits you're proud of is there anything that you've come across in, in your tenure not, not doesn't necessarily have to be linked to the historic environment archaeology or history but that you've you've come across mm. or anyone that you've seen that you've been particularly envious of uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've said it before, but um, I think Victor um, had the best job, mm. to be honest. Victor Ambrose. Yeah, Victor Ambrose. He he had the best job. He went out into the countryside and he sat down uh, and he drew what he saw uh, and he embellished and he drew action stuff. And oh, it was just that. And he had incredible artwork skills. Um, I mean, that's the that's kind of a like a, a, a dream job, really. Um I think like in this modern day and age, it's just got so much more complicated because everything goes digital. And and Victor was a, a, you know, he made things by hand. He didn't really work digitally. I say that he did. He did actually, having said that, um, so there were a few early shows where you would see his illustration build up digitally. So I say, you know, he didn't really work digitally, but actually uh, I can completely contradict (laughs) myself. He did. But on the whole, he Purist. was a, 
uh, watercolor painter and drawer. And, you know, he'd use a bit of Conti uh, pencil, uh, colored pencil in, in his artwork. And then he would hand me the artwork. I would scan it in at high res. And then, you know, I keep it in my database and then I do stuff with, you know, present it in an interesting way. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, uh, I, I guess uh, if, I wouldn't say envy, uh, a mad respect to, and knowing that he was a a, a lucky dog. Mm, there's some, something about his work as well, which it's it's analog, it's non digital, but it's timeless. Yeah. You could you could use any of those images yeah. in the new episodes, and it would feel as fresh as the day it was painted. And a, a lot of that, I suspect, is down to the way. And I, I, when you were describing it earlier, I can visualize it so clearly. The way you add that three-dimensional element to the drawings yeah. to give it that sense of depth and I, I can I can see that happening in my mind from the older time team episodes but reimagining that within the new ones using some of Victor's legacy of drawings yeah. must, must be really exciting sorry Lawrence I cut you off no no you did. I didn't come in I just had my finger up the, the, the audience can't see my hand going up <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just to say that I funnily enough only yesterday I discovered a, a video that was put out by time team 11 months ago now just after after Victor's death yeah and it's half an hour long and it's just the best half an hour I spent listening to all the people that had worked with him in the past and there's there's interviews with with yourself Neil with, with yeah. Tony and um, with all the other sort of old cast members and crew and, and archaeologists who mm. who worked directly with Victor and talked talk about his his abilities his skills his his soft nature and yeah it sounds like a thoroughly lovely guy but and it's a shame we didn't get to meet him but mm. i would recommend it. it's called victor ambrose the time team tribute so anyone that's got time on on youtube do check that video out it's a, it's a great one yeah he, he had a very interesting uh, history as well because he, he came from hungary and he i think he probably had to do some kind of level of service and of course historically the russians came in and he, he had to escape and flee Oh, wow. And uh, he could throw knives really well. <laughs> I'm not sure we want to know how you know this, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> so Gary Owen, he was the uh, electrician on on, uh, on the shoot. Uh, and it'd be like me, Ray San and Gary in the instant room. If we had nothing to do, we'd kind of, I don't know, do stuff. like Throw knives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knives. So Gary had a, a set of throwing knives, you know. As you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so Victor picks them up and just goes, oh, wow. <laughs> starts throwing them professionally and get, you know, really with wow. complete accuracy. And, you know, it's like the complete dark horse sort of thing. Amazing. <laughs> Very interesting history, but it was so gifted. And he used to teach at, uh, I think, Farnham. Uh, it was, uh, you know, really recognized at the Royal Academy, uh, all this kind of stuff. Very well known. I would recommend check out that video where it's like a, a memorial. Yeah. I'll add it to my list of two things to watch after this episode. Yeah, he did he did the cover to Warhorse, which Fantastic. Yeah. I'm very conscious we've kept you for a very long period of time so far, Neil. So I'd better get to our, our final question of uh as as we've mentioned already, Lawrence and I have a working time machine. Mm. Now, you don't necessarily have to go anywhere archaeologically. You could go to the history of graphic design if you wanted to, or anywhere in time and space with a return ticket. Where would you go? Yeah, yeah. So um, when I was a kid, um, uh, I read uh, Behold the Man by Michael Moorcock, uh, where um, I don't want to make spo uh, spoilers, but, you know, uh, basically this guy goes back to uh, the time of Jesus to see uh, see what was going on back then. Shall I spoil it for people? Yeah. Spoiler alert. It, it turns out <laughs> uh, through the book that uh, he was Jesus. This whole oh, time travel, he ended up being Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> 
Michael Moorcock, Behold the Man, yeah. I wouldn't go back then. Uh, n- nothing like that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, <laughs> nothing that profound. Yeah. Okay. Where <laughs> I w- <laughs> which historical figure would you go back and be? <laughs> <laughs> Where I would go, I, I think I'd go back to the time that my three little uh, cats were born. Uh, well, I think well, two of my cats specifically, because the mama cat. Um, when we just got her, uh, we uh, we had to go away on holiday. We only had her for a month. We had a neighbour look after her. And whilst the neighbour was looking after her, uh, she got pregnant uh, with the only Tom in the area uh, who was a stereotypical cat lady who had about 40 different cats and oh, a couple of them weren't neutered. So our cat, Scarlett, went off. When we came back, suddenly we saw these little kind of movements in her tummy like what's going on took her to the vet it turns out she was having kittens we didn't know how many and then she had uh, two babies so we were able to keep them they're like our family but I think I go back to when they were born because it was such a shock uh that I was like I didn't really take it in and my wife the other day is like do you remember when Amber and, and Rosa were born and I'm like uh kind of but it was a bit of a it was a bit i was like really like upset and uh you know it's just not upset but you know like oh my god <laughs> what's going on uh. i've got to say this is probably one of the the sweetest answers to that question we've <laughs> oh, had okay. i'm yes. so so happy you've yeah, set yes. a new bar for nice i think uh, and we get to go yeah, on the trip yeah. with him as well yeah like, yeah oh yeah. my god come with me <laughs> it's the cutest thing ever i think but i can't remember it so i assume it's cute i, I can't quite recall and I, and I think on that note, shall we uh, thank you, Neil, for joining us. You've been fascinating. And it's fair to say I've been trying very hard to keep to time tonight, but I could have listened to you for hours and hours and hours. And, oh, and I look forward man. to the next time we get to sit down and drink and oh, let you reminisce and tell out. us lots of stories. But thank you so much, so much for joining us. It's been genuinely a, a really enjoyable however long it's been as i predicted it would start <laughs> thank you very much to all of our listeners um those of you who have been uh tweeting commenting uh we we read everyone and we're we're tremendously grateful and thank you to our patreon supporters who are funding at least the first half of this season so thank you very much yeah can i just say thank you to them as well like it's just nice for everyone who's, who's listened to me ramble on and thank you to you guys as well for inviting me along it's, it's just super kind listen most of the time people don't really want to care what i say like what, I, what i'm talking about if i start bang on about graphics most people's eyes glaze over so been for me a real pleasure <laughs> <laughs> their eyes are wide open now Nick. <laughs>